Welcome to the teacher and the preacher. This program is all about the importance of coming to understand that the Christian community and the Jewish community have more in common than we have been led to believe. Rather than seeing each other as against each other, we need to come to a point of seeing that the statement that our country is a Judeo-Christian nation is much more than just a mere statement, but truly reflects the reality of our nation as it was and should remain. Every week there will be an interesting dialogue about the issues that have divided Jews and Christians and how we can move in bridging the gaps and see that by talking about the issues, we can better move in the direction of having more unity. Unity that will heal and help bring together a nation that is under attack by the forces of atheism, secularism, and a breakdown of family values. Join us now for a discussion between the teacher and the preacher. Welcome to the teacher and the preacher I'm the teacher, Hal Berman. And I'm the preacher, Dave McGarrah, and we welcome you to this episode of The Teacher and the Preacher. On our last episode, we kind of left you on a bit of a cliffhanger as we waded into a, a topic that I think is not only very worthy of conversation, but also one that carries uh, some interesting aspects to it historically. And uh, it's been a piece that not too many Jews and Christians talk about. It's, uh, for many, a, a personal opinion. For others, they're very outspoken about that, that perspective. But we're talking again in this particular conversation about Jews and what they believe about Jesus. And so for those who may be new to the teacher and the preacher, the makeup here is an Orthodox Jew and a Christian pastor who are having these conversations and these conversations are birthed out of friendship, mutual respect. Uh, there is uh, no kind of guarding or barring of, of any areas. Uh, we talk openly and honestly about these things. So here you have a Christian pastor who believes that Jesus is in fact the Messiah. And we have uh, an Orthodox Jew who says, you know, I'm, I'm not in that camp. And this is so good for us to talk about. And here's some of the reasons why. And so that's what this conversation is about. And when we left off in the last episode, Hal, uh, you had been walking us through some significant and meaningful reasons why Jews believe what they believe about Jesus. And I think maybe just before you take us into that conversation again, those people who may have missed uh, episode one, how could they uh, find that? Thank you. You're reading my mind. I was just going to mention that. So, yeah, if you, if you missed the first episode, and we talk about actually some of the similarities between Jesus's teachings and the Jewish sages of that time, and before now we're getting into, so why don't Jews believe Jesus is the Messiah? But you can catch that episode on at our channel, The Teacher and the Preacher, on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcast, or just go to our website, theteacherandthepreacher.com, and it should be up there on the homepage. I love that. So, you know, one of the things that typical Christian Jewish conversation, if, if there is much going on out there, I think this issue of Jesus uh, does come up, and, and this is a piece that many aren't comfortable talking about, because they, they don't either want to make the other person feel bad, or they, they're not well-versed in you know, some of the historical underpinnings or the Jewish perspective on much of this. What makes this more controversial than maybe it is? Otherwise, it would be much more simple for people to talk about because it's uh, it's simple to just say, well, was uh, comes down to whether or not he was the Messiah or not. 
So is that the only wrestling match in the mind of most Jews? I actually think, although that's what's talked about the most, the identity of the Messiah, was he or wasn't he, that's really the least important. Uh, There was a rabbi, a great sage, Rabbi Akiva, and this is, um, if I'm remembering correctly, it's about the year 135. So the Romans have already destroyed the temple. They've taken over Jerusalem, all of that. But there's one last holdout uh, up in the hills, actually not too far from where I live in Efrat, led by a man, Bar Kosiba. People started thinking he was the Messiah because the Romans would send soldiers and he'd defeat them. And they sent legion after legion and he was defeating them. And it seemed just, it, you couldn't explain it any other way. And the Jewish conception of the Messiah actually is, like King David, uh, who he will be descended from, he's a military leader, uh, among other things. He's going to lead the Jews to victory. And Bar Kosiba was doing exactly that. So you had this Rabbi Akiva, he was the great sage of the time. He was the one everyone followed. If he said it, that was who everyone looked up to. And Rabbi Akiva, no less than Rabbi Akiva, the sage of the generation, said, yes, this is the one. And there's a passage in the Talmud where uh, Rabbi Akiva actually gives Bar Kosiba a new name, Bar Kokba, which means son of the star. In fulfillment of the prophecy, a star will go forth from Jacob. And according to the Talmud, I'll read this, Akiva said, this is the King Messiah. You can't get more definite than that. Whereupon, Yochanan ben Torta answered him derisively, Akiva, grass will grow in your cheeks, and the son of David will still not have come. You know, in other words, you're wrong. And so what happened here is the Romans sent legion after legion, and uh, Bar Kokhba kept defeating legion after legion until he didn't. And finally, the Romans threw enough uh, firepower at it that uh, Bar Kokhba was overcome. And at that moment, everyone was like, oh, I guess he wasn't the Messiah. Mistaken identity. Now, here's the thing. Why do I relate this story? Rabbi Akiva is still considered a great sage. He's not shunned. To this day, people read what he said. They look to him as a source of wisdom, which which he was and is. The fact that he got this wrong about who is the Messiah, it's like, okay, it was an honest mistake. The fact that from a Jewish perspective, if people believe Jesus is the Messiah, and we believe he wasn't, that's the wrong guy, so to speak. No big deal, any more than Rabbi Akiva thinking Bar Kokhba uh, wrongly was the Messiah. The issue becomes what the Messiah is, the nature of the Messiah. And that's when you get into Messiah is the Son of God. And Son of God in the Bible doesn't have to mean a divine uh, person at all, incidentally. It's used in, in a very human way in a number of places. But this idea of Son of God, as we think of it in a Christian sense, the idea that uh, Jesus was part of the Trinity, was essentially divine, was you know God incarnated on earth, from a Jewish perspective, and I know this won't sit well with you know some Christians who, who understandably see it that way from their perspective, but from a Jewish perspective, if we believe that Jesus was a human being, then for us to worship a human being as divine is violating really about the most fundamental violation you can have in the Torah. You know, God says over and over again not to do that. Uh, in any number of ways and places. So that's the real issue. If if the only issue were, um, well, Christians believe Jesus was the Messiah, but if, let's say, hypothetically, Christians believed he was a man and they believed in the Jewish concept of the Messiah, then it would simply be like, okay, so we differ, no big deal. But it's it's not about that. It's about It's really about who God is rather than who the Messiah is. Yeah, the divinity part really comes in there heavily. Yeah. Yeah. 
So let's talk about some of the views of, uh, of the Messiah from Jewish perspective. The word Messiah, Mashiach, in Hebrew, it's from the, the Hebrew root mashach, which means to anoint, uh, sometimes means to pour. And it's it's really referring to the act of anointing with oil. You have King David is referred to in Hebrew in the Bible as Mashiach because he's he's anointed with oil. You have uh, the high priest, uh, who we don't, wouldn't think of as Messiah, but he's referred to as Mashiach because he's anointed with oil. Uh, and so it's really anointing for a leadership position in, in the strictest sense. But that's a Messiah. Then there's the Messiah, the, the one who's going to come. And from a Jewish perspective, uh, and look, we, we read many of the same prophecies that Christians do. We just understand them a bit differently. But he is going to be, first of all, he's a human being, just as King David was a human being, a very special human being, a human being who is chosen by God, who is anointed by God for a specific role. And first and foremost, he's going to lead the Jews to victory. He's going to lead the Jews out of their predicament. And then world rule, and you know, these are all the same prophecies that Christians look at, world rule will be set up from Jerusalem. I would say that uh, Jews, if we could, you know, there are, you know, Christians are, some Christians are fond of saying there's over 300 prophecies. You know, we could go through each of those prophecies, but Jews see it, in, I'm going to very much generalize here, as Jesus didn't fulfill all the prophecies. And uh, I think Christians actually, in a way, believe that too, because there's the idea of a second coming. If all the prophecies were fulfilled the first time, there'd be no need for a second coming. We, we, we would just be there now, living in this messianic age. Um, but we're not. Uh, Christians are waiting for the second coming, for all of the prophecies to be fulfilled. Jews are waiting for, as they understand it, the Messiah to come initially, to fulfill all the prophecies in essentially in one go. Right, you know, and, and this is one of the uh, pieces of conversation that my former radio partner and I used to have, uh, bless his soul. Charlie would say, you know, we intend very much to ask him straight up when he arrives, is this your first time or your second time being here, right? And he said, then, you know, at that point, one of us is going to have to make a theological adjustment. He's absolutely right. He's absolutely right. But this is, uh, I think, one of the, the wonderful things that you and I are willing and able to talk about on a program like this, uh, where we really openly discuss the differing perspectives and value and appreciate what each group brings to the table. And one of the things that we talked about in the last episode was the fact that a lot of the words that we use, uh, they're the same words, but they just have radically different meanings. And I know that one of the pieces that uh, is a real important thing, and I think you did a great job on clarifying that, look, not all these uh, prophecies have been fulfilled. I mean, for instance, you know, to bring peace, because the world has never had peace like what this Messiah will bring. And I think that this is uh, just one of a variety of pieces that I think you just explained it so well that Christians are expecting in this uh, second coming of who Jesus really is as the Messiah in, in, the, in Christianity. But these are pretty radical differences in how we view things, and yet 
One of the things that's happened with me across the years of hanging out with uh, a variety of Jewish people who are well-versed in the Hebrew Scriptures, just like yourself and Charlie and others, is, wow, I have learned so much that's helped me to understand and really appreciate uh, their, their position and their perspectives on this. It's actually broadened and enriched my understanding of the Scriptures as a whole and even the New Testament. So, this is such a good thing for us to be able to talk about. Now, one of the things that happens within the framework of Christianity from uh, the seat that a lot of Christians sit in is there will be some people who will say, uh, as far as the Jews are concerned, the Jews themselves will say that, listen, when a Jew decides to embrace Jesus as their Messiah, we no longer consider them Jews. I don't know if that's uh, a strong belief or just a personal opinion. What what would you say about that? So I want to clarify, this is something Christians have said that Jews say or something you've heard from Jews? No, I think it's a, it's a bit of both. Okay, so in essence, no. We talked about last time, before we even get to the subject of Jesus, we have to define what are Jews, because Jews aren't simply people who don't believe in Jesus. So Jews are a covenant people. That's how the Bible defines them. So, there's two ways to be part of that. You can be born into the covenant, just as someone is born in America and is automatically an American citizen, and therefore, all of the laws of the land apply to them. Uh, So, the Torah applies to anyone born into the covenant. Or you can convert, just as someone can become a naturalized citizen. So, Ruth, the Moabite, uh, she joined the Jewish people. But either way, you're bound by this covenant. So, from just the standpoint of Jewish law, if somebody embraces Jesus, uh, they are, for all intents and purposes, they're still part of the covenant people just as before, They, which means they are bound by the covenant, which means from a Jewish perspective, if they violated it, there's consequences. Uh, just as a Jew who becomes an atheist, so they no longer believe in God, uh, you know, you can't get more antithetical than that to what the Torah says, but they're still Jewish. They're still in that covenant. They're still bound by the covenant. However, within that understanding, there is the idea, so the idea that they're not Jewish is simply not true. There is, however, an understanding, you can put yourself outside the circle, so to speak. So you have the circle of the Jewish people, and you can put yourself outside of it. Now, somebody who, let's say, embraces Jesus, uh, a Jew embraces Jesus, which incidentally, I, I think sometimes there's a conception that it's, you know, most Jews because people hear about Messianics all the time, but in fact, it's a minority of Jews uh, who embrace Jesus. But if if a Jew embraces Jesus, they've kind of put themselves outside the community, outside the circle, and they're always welcome back. And I know people who've embraced Jesus, and then at some later point, they their understanding of Scripture changed, and they they no longer believe that. And you know, they didn't have to convert back to Judaism. They're they're Jewish. It, not, nothing changed. I do think, and I, I've heard this a lot from Messianics. I think pu- push this idea, and, and you'll hear Jews who have who have uh, embraced Jesus. They'll say, "Well, you know, I'm still Jewish," which which is true. But there's this idea that as I said, Jews are a people. It's not a race. It's not simply an ethnicity. So, But I think once one starts defining it that way, it's, hey, I'm Jewish. So I believe in Jesus. That doesn't change anything. In fact, there are Jews who are Buddhists. In fact, the large percentage of American Buddhists are, in fact, Jewish, unfortunately. Uh, there are Jews who are atheists. You know, None of these things square with Jewish belief, with a Jew- normative Jewish understanding of the Torah. 
So it doesn't follow that just because someone's Jewish that, oh, well, being an atheist is a natural expression of being Jewish. It's not. Being a Buddhist is not a natural expression of being Jewish. So from a Jewish perspective, belief in Jesus, as Christians understand it, is not is not a Jewish uh, expression of belief. So there's a long way around of saying, of course, they're still Jewish, but they're not in within the circle of the community. And often it becomes problematic because it's not only that they've embraced Jesus, they're now trying to sway everyone else. So if I come into your church and I say, hey, I've seen the light, Jesus is not the Messiah, and now I want to convince everyone in your church, um, you know, I, I would expect people would have a problem with that. It would be hard for me to be part of the community if I were to do that. Yeah, I think maybe some of this may be rooted in a number of uh, Jews who uh, have been taught and raised that Jesus is really for Gentiles. And therefore, to embrace that, you know, you're, you're wanting to leave your Jewishness, if you will. I think maybe that may contribute to some of the thinking or, or, or the understanding of why, why would some think that if you embrace Jesus as Messiah, you're no longer Jewish. And I, I think it may be rooted in some of that, that Jesus is for Gentiles. It could be, and I think theologically, though, what we just discussed a few minutes ago about the idea of the divinity of Jesus, I, I think that's really at the heart of it. Uh, there's a Jewish idea that actually comes from the sages, you know, because they asked, are, you know, are, and this will be a hard concept, I think, for many Christians, because they would think, of course I believe in God, but they'll say, you know, are, are they, you know, like, is, is Christianity okay? And what the sages basically came up with, there are some, there are always more, there's more than one opinion. So there are some who actually said, no, you're worshiping God as a man, uh, or man as God, you know, end of discussion. But the majority view is actually more nuanced and different. And it says that for Gentiles, actually, it's perfectly fine that there's something called shiluv, which means combination. And there's this idea that, of course, Christians believe in the God of Israel, the same God that Jews believe in. And then they believe in this addition, this combination, if you will, however you want to put it, the way uh, Christians would con conceive of the Trinity. And that part is not part of the Jewish orbit, but Gentiles do believe in the God of Israel. And that part, you know, and I've experienced that personally in, in conversations with Christians where we'll be talking about God and we're completely on the same page. And then they start talking about Jesus and we're no longer on the same page. So th there's a shift. That's okay for Christians. But this idea is it's not okay for Jews because Jews, again, are in this particular covenantal relationship with God that is specific to Jews and therefore demands of them a certain kind of relationship with God um, that doesn't allow for that. That from a Jewish perspective, if this is worshiping man as God, which again, from a Jewish perspective, it would be, it doesn't fit within the Jewish concept, even if it would be okay for Gentiles to do. I think one of the things about this particular topic is that differing views on Jesus is a result of cultural, what, what culture you may have been raised in, and then, of course, historically, you know, we've given a lot of reasons for the Jews to, to not have anything really to do with Jesus because of what's happened historically in regards to Christianity and the treatment of the Jews, the division between church and synagogue. And uh, much of that has been, you know, uh, punctuated with, with violence and, uh, and a lot of bloodshed. I mean, our history of Christianity is really ugly. And this is one of the things that most most Jews know the history of Christianity better than Christians do. 
Uh, most Christians don't even realize that Martin Luther was one of the most anti-Semitic people in the world. It wasn't at the beginning, but he became extremely anti-Semitic, and uh, his uh, contributions to people like Hitler and the result of the Holocaust, I think there's direct connection there. But when we think about uh, Jewish perspective of Jesus, I think that the reasons for that are very understandable in a lot of ways, because between culturally and historically, then as we've mainly talked in this episode and last episode, is the religious uh, category. But, you know, one of the things about, I think that God is doing a new work, and that is that these things that have historically been divisive, between the two faiths are now becoming much more conversational. Um, the, the, the walls of resistance are lowering. And, and understandably, there's still pretty significant levels of skepticism that, that still mark it. But, you know, given a little bit of time, you can find out whether a person has a, a hidden agenda or not in trying to build a relationship with you. Uh, you know, some people, they want to be able to build a relationship simply to be able to get you to come to the Amway meeting, you know, and or, you know, come to the Tupperware party, you know. So anyway, I think that, you know, well, welcome to the world. But this is a piece that I think is uh, very real and very personal for us. Uh, and the fact that we can talk about it today and talk about it very openly, I think this is just a huge, a huge, wonderful thing that we can do. Well, and I think from a Christian standpoint, as I understand it, uh, from a Christian standpoint, you know, Jesus is at the center of it all. You take away Jesus, you've taken away Christianity. So for a Christian, particularly who may be new to uh, dialogue with a Jew, uh, and I emphasize dialogue, not debate, this can be difficult because the Jew, in a sense, is negating everything they, they believe in, even if we share a lot in common, and we do, and we can go through the Bible and we can talk about uh, common values, but at the end of the day, the Jew is saying, hey, this thing that's totally central to your faith, um, no, I don't believe that. So I can understand from a Christian perspective, it's, you know, a Christian's kind of sitting there of like, what do I do with this? Uh, and I understand that. Yeah, and I think that that's part of the reality of uh, learning this dance between Christians and Jews and having spiritual dialogue. Because, you know, um, you're fully aware, and I, I'm sure many of our listeners are, that you, you can't have this kind of conversation with just <laughs> any Jew and Christian. Right. They have to be knowledgeable, not only about Scripture, but about the nuances of how the other sees things to, to actually have a real conversation. Exactly. And so I just, you know, this is one of the things that's very meaningful and valuable to me. And I think one of the things that you and I share is to be able to model, if you will, uh, for our, our listeners, that you, you actually can have a conversation, a dialogue. It doesn't have to be, you know, uh, something you war over or, or end up debate, I won, you lost, uh, that kind of thing. I think that valuing and appreciating, and as we talked about in, in the last uh, conversation we had about this, the what Judaism brings to the table for Christianity is enormous. 
it is enormous. And when we cut off the Jewish roots of our Christianity after the church was birthed and it was about 100 years old, we had cut off in the first 100 years the, the, the roots of our, our Christianity, which we have paid enormous price for. But because of that not being a part of Christian education, most Christians have no idea the price we've paid for that and how much we've lost. And this is the value of being able to have relationship, connection, conversation with dear, wonderful Jewish friends and uh, and people that we consider brothers and sisters in so many ways. So I just think this is so valuable. And I, I just want to encourage our listeners, listen, this conversation is perfect for you to take a few moments, scratch out a note to Hal and I, the teacher and the preacher at gmail.com. Give us your input. Tell us, you know, hey, I'm so disappointed in this conversation or I so appreciate it or whatever you want to say to us. Uh, we got a thick enough skin and we invite you to do that because uh, maybe there's some other topics that you would like for us to be able to actually talk about uh, because this is a part of the reason for this connection in this program. So we invite you to do that. And how, listen, we're, we're pretty much out of time, but uh, how else could they contact us? So you can contact us uh, the old-fashioned way, the teacher and the preacher at gmail.com, or best thing, go to our website, www.theteacherandthepreacher.com, and there's a contact page there. You can write us. That's how a lot of people contact us. And while there, uh, in addition to iTunes and Spotify and Google Podcasts, all of our archived episodes are also on the website, and the this latest episode should be on the homepage. I love that. I just think that the weeks ahead and the months ahead is going to be so great for our listeners because when they get a chance to get acquainted with some of our guests, amazing guests that we have, and other various topics, whether those be current issues, things that impact our Judeo-Christian positions and views and virtues and values, and as we talk about issues that are very concerning that are attack on either the Jewish people or upon our faiths. We talk very openly and honestly about those things. So we hope that you'll join us for the next episode on The Teacher and the Preacher. How great to be with you, and thank you so much for the neat contribution you've made. May the God of Israel, who never slumbers or never sleeps, may he watch over Israel and all of our Jewish friends, and may that same God bless America. Amen. The Teacher and the Preacher will be back next Sunday for another discussion on how Christians and Jews can come to once again proclaim that the United States is truly a Judeo-Christian nation. To contact the Teacher and the Preacher, email them at theteacherandthepreacher at gmail.com. That's theteacherandthepreacher at gmail.com. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and give you shalom. Shalom.